okay to go. Let's catch up on some bike racing. It's been a crazy busy weekend with bike races. We've got the Vuelta. We had also the final World Cup mountain bike race in the United States at Snowshoe, West Virginia. So many great races, so many great performances. We're a couple days behind on the Vuelta as well, so we got a lot of catching up to do. Oh, where do we start? Okay, let's get, let's get caught up on the Vuelta. Stage 13 is, is where we left off. Stage 13 was this really difficult stage, the f summit finish, but this climb had s sustained sections of over 25, 26. They might have even hit 28%. I mean, this is the kind of gradient where drafting does nothing. Teammates, sorry, they can't help you. Okay, maybe emotional support, but honestly, it's every man for himself survival. Out of the saddle, just grinding these pedals, trying to keep your bike upright because you're going so slow. So leading into this final climb, there was plenty of other climbs. I mean, this is going to be a really hard day. To this, to, I've been thinking about this now for three or four days. I don't, I don't get it. Astana sticks their entire team on the front of the peloton and just start driving the pace before they get to this final climb. I, I guess what they were thinking is that Miguel Angel Lopez was still the best climber in the race. Though, I, I mean, I get it. The first week he looked great, but it had been quite a few days in the mountains and, and he hadn't really shown his stuff. So I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they were overconfident. Maybe on the bus that morning or, or in the radio, he had told them, hey guys, I feel great. I think I can, I can go big today, so set it up for me. Anyway, Astana puts their whole team on the front and they just start driving the pace and, and trying to control the, the speed and, and control everything when honestly it was, it was Jumbo Visma's job to do that, but I'm sure they appreciated the break. So they're wanting to soften up everybody's legs. Astana's thinking that they can beat up on Jumbo Visma, beat up on, on Movistar, and by the time they get to that last climb, since, since Lopez is the best climber, he can then, you know, get some time back. Well, sorry, didn't happen. They get to the base of this climb, and like I said, it's every man for himself. It starts with, out with our favorites. We've got Pogachar, we've got... Roglic, Valverde, Quintana, they're all right there. And this thing is just so painfully steep. You've got the breakaway. They're slowly getting brought back. It's looking like they might make it, but it's just, it's just painful. So here's the funny part, but sadly, not surprising. At one point, Quintana attacks. Looks like he's going to get some time. Uh-oh, sure enough, blows up, comes back to the group, then gets dropped. You got Valverde, he's doing some attacks, getting brought back. Pogachar's just right there, like the 20-year-old stud he is. And uh, Roglic is just being super steady. He's, he's not having to make any big attacks, but he's covering what he needs to. If something goes up the road, he's making the right call when he needs to and, and maybe not following it or slowly tapping it back. Um, but he is relatively isolated. At this point, he didn't really have teammates, and it's, it's, it's every man for himself. <laughs> it's funny because... Everyone thinks that the Colombians are going to be the best climbers or, or, or Quintana or, you know, one of these guys should dominate the stage. No, not so. Eventually, Pogachar attacks, Roglic jumps on his wheel, and these two guys just ride away. Everybody just watches them and basically just waves goodbye. And it was so crazy because, you know, Roglic dominates the time trial. These climbers had to have been thinking like, hey, you know, it's all right. We expected that. We're definitely going to get him in the mountains. We can, we can start clawing time back in the mountains. So they get to the, one of the hardest mountain days they have, and they just watch this guy right away. The other thing I couldn't help but think about was in a previous stage, as they're rolling into the finish line, you look over and you see 
Pogachar reach through the peloton and give a fist bump to Roglic. So they're they're countrymen. They they come from the same country, tiny little country, two million people. Think of that, an entire country of two million people. That's half the size of the Greater Phoenix area, and they've got two of the biggest studs in this race. These guys go off the front together and they start working so well. I mean, they're swapping turns. Honestly, Pogachar looked a little better, looked a little stronger. But Roglic was just being calm and, and patient. He didn't need a stage win. He didn't need to uh, start any fires. He was just going to uh, work together with, with Pogachar, and they take it all the way to the line. Roglic lets him, uh, I mean, at least it looked like he let him win, but Pogachar really gave it everything he had and got his second stage win, and Roglic puts time into uh, the rest of his rivals. Really great. Okay, stage 14. Uh, Should have been a really calm sprint stage. Uh, with no excitement, but unfortunately, there was a little bit of the uh, bad type of excitement at the end of the stage. So they're coming in, everything uh, should be fine getting set up for the sprint finish, and with only a couple K to go, or maybe even less, a couple wheels cross up, boom, huge pileup crash. Only a few of the sprinters and their teammates make it out the front side to go for the win. Sam Bennett ends up winning it. Max Richese from from quick step tries to contest it but it, it at that point it was just chaos sam bennett wins it and behind almost all of the g all of the gc guys got caught up in this crash luckily nobody uh did any serious damage i think there was a little road rash uh roglic actually came off of his bike slightly put a foot down uh, maybe put a hand on the ground but nothing serious but they all they all came to a stop since it's, since it was within the 3k to go they all finished at the same time but it was unfortunate to see a stage end that way Okay, let's talk about stage 15. This was so great. This was such a feel-good stage for me. Sepp Kuss, the American. We talked about him in the preview show. We've talked about him throughout the race on how much work he's doing for, for Primos. We talked about uh, how he's an up-and-comer. He's just such a great kid. He's young. He's only in his second or third season. He just re-signed his contract with Jumbo this year, uh, actually back during the Giro. So they got a lot of hope in him, and they, and they like him. They like what they see. He's a fantastic climber. And he has been a he's been a great teammate all throughout this Vuelta. He's just done everything he's needed to, done everything he's asked of, and uh, hasn't gone for any glory himself. So today, hard stage, uh, another summit finish with a long hard climb. They send Sepkus up in the break, thinking, hey, you know what? If things start getting exciting with the GC, we've got a guy up there. We can have Sep drop back and help Roglic when he needs it. Perfect. And so Sep goes up the road. He's not thinking of himself. He's not thinking of stage wins. He's not thinking of TV time. He's thinking of one thing, doing his job to help Roglic win the overall. So he's in this break, and he's not do, having to do much work because for all the reasons I just mentioned, he's just kind of hanging out, listening to his radio, and and pretty soon they're, they're realizing, hey, this this gap is getting a little bigger, and, and hey, it looks like the field isn't chasing us back. And, and eventually he got some sort of communication in his ear from the team that said, hey, your breakaway gap is big enough. Go for it, man. It's all you. Take one today if you want it. So Sep turns into this killer and uh, starts hunting for this stage win. There had been an attack off the front of the break that had gotten up the road a little way. So he, he wasn't in the lead of the race. He was in a, he was in a small group, and there was uh, a couple riders up the road. So Sep just starts tapping out the rhythm, starts pulling them back. Eventually, he catches the guy who's off the front doesn't even slow down just go, just sails right by him and 
as the moto's driving next to him and I'm watching him, I realize, oh, oh, this is over. He, he's got this locked up. He was riding with the type of confidence and rhythm and cadence exactly the way he did when he completely manhandled the Tour of Utah last year. Same posture, same look on his face, same steady breathing, just a man on a mission. And he starts just crushing this climb. He's flying up and he looks so strong. He's not bobbing or weaving. He's not struggling. He just knows what he's doing. He's going for the stage win. And I can only imagine how excited his team car was uh, and how the rest of his teammates were excited knowing what he was about to do just because of how loyal he's been as a teammate. Then it got a little exciting, though. Um, Ruben Guerrero from Katusha and Teo, Teo Gegenhart from Ineos, they didn't want to let him run away with it all by himself without being contested. They had been in the break as well. They're great climbers. They're also really young, and uh, they start coming after him. They start closing the gap. Gap is about 15 seconds. 14 seconds, 16 seconds. It's all over the place. It really just kind of depended on who was on the steeper section of this climb. But unfortunately for them, Teo Gegenhart and Guerrero, they start kind of playing cat and mouse. They start attacking each other as if they're fighting for second place on the stage. It's ridiculous. I mean, Teo Gegenhart surges past Guerrero and he, he has to close the gap and then he sits up. And, and meanwhile, Sepp is just riding this hill like a sewing machine, just the exact same rhythm all the way up. Pretty soon the gap goes out to 18, 20, 22, and uh, he comes into the, f the final finish of three, 400 meters, super narrow road, lined with hundreds of screaming fans. He just sits up, starts giving everybody high fives. It was so cool. You don't usually see high fives like that unless it's a cross race or a mountain bike. Nah, Sepp Kuz, he was gonna enjoy every single second of it. Came across the line, Grand Tour stage winner as a young American so cool uh meanwhile back in the gc valverde had attacked no problem roglic goes right with him valverde really puts down the pressure no problem roglic stays with him meanwhile quintana dropped uh lopez has dropped and they end up coming across the line together roglic putting more time on all of his rivals except for valverde so where we're left off in the wealth on stage 15 sepkus american jumbo visma with the stage win and roglic is in yellow looking really good uh we're well past the halfway mark at this point and roglic has got a two and a half minute lead on valverde pogachar's in third almost four minutes back lopez is four minutes back quintana's over five minutes back so at this point we might be looking at two slovenians on the on the podium with valverde valverde actually in an interview after the stage today said he doesn't know if he has the the strength and the desire to fight for this podium finish or the win so you know, maybe his age is catching up with him. We'll see. Okay, let's jump over to mountain biking real quick. Last weekend was the World Championships in uh, Mont saint Anne, Canada. Kate Courtney, the American world champ, was not able to defend her title. That's okay. Pauline ferrand Prevost took it. She's a, she's a great competitor, has a great comeback story this year. She had had iliac artery surgery, and, and so this was kind of a resurgence for her. So... It all came down to this last race, however, to decide who was going to be the overall series champion between Yolanda Neff from Switzerland and American Kate Courtney. This is a big deal. This is a big accomplishment. It's, it's a, an accumulation of your finish points through the whole series the entire year. Whoever finishes with the most points is, is uh, crowned the, the champion. They were 20 points apart going into the final race today. Yolanda Neff in first, Kate Courtney 20 points behind. To put it in perspective, um, winners finish these seasons with you know over 
14 or 15 or 1600 points. So, so it was a virtual tie. And all it came down to today was who beat the other one. Even if they finished right next to each other, whoever won, or excuse me, whoever beat the other was going to win the overall title. And they both wanted it so bad. It was, it was, there was a lot of pressure on this final race and, and they were coming out to, to uh, play for real. The American fan base really showed up. Tons of screaming fans, really cool. Uh, only good things to say from all the athletes. Everyone really loved it. So here's how the race goes. Gun goes off. Yolanda goes out like a bottle rocket, just full gas. And everyone's thinking, okay, she definitely wants to win this thing. Kate Courtney's right there. Pauline Fran Prevost's right there. Anna Terpstra's there. They're all huddling together. They put down about a lap and a half, maybe two laps of a seven-lap race. And all of a sudden, within a matter of seconds, it's like all the gaskets get blown in, in Yolanda Neff and just smoke coming out of the hood. All the power has gone out of her legs. And she gets not only, she doesn't just get dropped. She just gets left behind completely. And you can tell the poor, poor girl was really fighting and, and just put her head down and really gritting her teeth. But I don't know if she's sick or overtrained or or what but she just was not healthy and she just faded and started getting she got caught by the next group and dropped caught by the next group she eventually found somebody to sit on a wheel and she rode with them for a long time but it was just not looking good meanwhile kate courtney's looking fantastic she's with this lead group she's racing really aggressive but at a steady pace uh it's looking like she might even contest for the win or or certainly a podium finish and it's looking like she's going to have this world title locked up, the world, the world Series title locked up. And then all of a sudden, like Groundhog Day, right around lap four and a half or five, almost the same thing happens with Kate Courtney. All of a sudden, she starts bobbing up and down, shaking her head. She was doing this weird breathing thing. Like it looked like she couldn't catch a breath or like she was having an asthma attack or something. She gets dropped from the group. She can't get back on. I mean, she's just... All, it just in a matter of minutes, everything goes south and she looks terrible. All of a sudden, you look over at Yolanda Neff. She's got a wheel of, a, of another racer and they're, they're really moving along all of a sudden. Maybe Yolanda's getting a second wind. And you're thinking, oh boy, this might actually be a race because Kate Courtney's looking terrible and maybe Yolanda's coming back around. So Kate's kind of in no man's land for maybe a lap or a lap and a half. And you're not quite sure what's going to happen. The gap gets trimmed down, I believe. Kate got dropped back to maybe 8th or ninth place, and Yolanda Neff is coming up to 13th or maybe even 12th place, so it's getting close. And then finally, Kate gets her feet back underneath her. She finds somebody to ride with. All of a sudden, she gets a second win, and she comes back hard and aggressive. She starts passing a few gals. Uh, she catches up to Chloe Woodruff, the other American who had a fantastic race today, and she ends up fighting, fighting, fighting. Some flat tires come into play. And at the end, Kate Courtney finishes really strong, fifth place, ends up on the podium of her last race of the season and secures the overall victory. So really cool for her, really great race. Yolanda Neff and Kate Courtney are both just total killers and it was really neat to see them come out with the final race of the season and really throw it down. Quickly for the last race is the men's uh, World Cup mountain bike race in Snowshoe, West Virginia. You got Nino Schurter in the race, and Matthew Vanderpool wasn't there, so pretty much everybody knew how it was going to end. There wasn't that much uh, mystery or intrigue in this one. Interestingly enough, though, this course really wasn't technical at all, and there wasn't a lot of climbing at all, and there wasn't any very difficult descents. So 
there was really no place on the course for things to get blown apart and uh, separated. So it's a nine lap race and there was this horde of guys racing packed all together. I don't know, there might've been seven or eight of them or nine of them, just the entire race. Nobody could get any separation, ripping fast. They're going fast enough that everybody has a draft and uh, pretty soon you're, you're getting these flat tires all over the place because it's so rocky and it was just a weird race. It just felt weird. Frankly, I felt like they could have picked a way better venue for the one United States race on the calendar. There's a lot of venues that are better than that one, at least more picturesque, better single track, better race layout. But hey, you know what? That's okay. Um, Eventually, you're thinking, well, I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but Nino's going to win this for sure. Suddenly, flat tire. You know, it's about time that guy gets a flat tire feels like he's gone four years of doing every single race and doesn't get a mechanical, doesn't get a flat tire, doesn't get anything. Luck always goes his way. I'm not saying I was glad he got a flat, but at least reality finally checked in for him. He gets a flat, pulls into his pit, and uh, has like a 30-second wheel swap. So really quick, he's back on the bike, and he starts chasing. Now here's what's funny. The Brazilian... Enrique Avancini, who's a really aggressive racer and maybe a little overconfident, had taken advantage of the moment when uh, when Nino was stopped for the flat and he gets away off the front. And you know that he just had to been thinking, finally, it's my chance. He, he's never won a World Cup. He's always on the podium, always playing second fiddle. You know he had to been thinking, yes, this is my year. Only a couple laps left. Uh, Nino got a flat. I'm off the front. It's over. I'm going to take this one home. Well, unfortunately, Nino gets back on his bike. He's not going to get up, give up that easy. He chases back to the group, comes right through, turns up the pace for everybody. They all work together, and they pour Evan. They they pull Avancini all the way back. Oh, he had to have been so ticked. So the group's all back together. Only a couple laps left. It's still a big group. There's real no obvious place on the course where the attack is going to come. So you're not sure what's going to happen. Uh, there's a couple surges, a couple gaps open up. Pretty soon, you've got Lars Forster, Nino Schurter's teammate, and Nino, they roll off, they get off the front together and they get a nice little gap, and they are just flying. So a little background on Forster, he's an animal. He started the season so strong, winning a few races, getting on some podiums, looking like it was going to be kind of a breakout year for him. Then he had a big crash and some injuries, and he's been out for most of the year, and he's just now coming back around. So I don't know if it was unexpected or unforeseen or he was under the radar, but whatever it was, it was nice to see him finish off the season on a, on a high note. So they're on the last lap, half a lap to go, quarter of a lap to go. It's just Nino and Lars off the front, teammates, and you're kind of wondering, all right, they're teammates. Are they helping each other? Are they just purely racing? And, you know, what's going on? Nino, if he wins the race today, he ties the all-time record of most World Cup wins, so he definitely had something to, work, to win for. Um, Lars has never won a World Cup, and he's kind of on this comeback, so, you know, both of them definitely wanted it. Well, they're coming in. There's not much left. I don't know, maybe 800 meters to go in the course, and Lars Forster pulls this really sneaky move, passes Nino, totally surprises him on this scrambly, rocky quick uh, kicker of a climb gets around him gets on the front smashes it Nino uh, gets dropped a little bit I don't know if he got dropped or if he sat up or he let his buddy go but a gap opens and Forster powers it all the way in takes the win Uh, Nino Scherter in second which is a shocker and uh, Nino locks up the overall series title 
Forster gets his first win. Kate Courtney wins the overall title. It was a, it was a good weekend for Scott's Ram team. So busy weekend of bike racing. We've got the last week of the Vuelta this week and next weekend cross the world the first world cup of cyclocross is on us so get ready it's gonna be awesome